Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Bible's Matthew chapter 9. Appreciation uh, for the opportunity uh, to preach this morning. Express my appreciation to Pastor Campbell and Sister Connie and also our Mama Church here in Chandler for your hospitality all this week. Amen. Tremendous conference that we've been having, and uh, it's always good to come back, be refreshed, and be ready to go back home and tear it up for Jesus. Amen. Very good message this morning. Appreciate Pastor Mitchell. Hallelujah. We'll see what God will do now. First, I want to explain to you how I, how I came to my message this morning. As many of you have heard, no doubt, there have been more bad news in the news than good news. But one of the hot topics currently are police officer-involved shootings and protesters marching on the streets of major cities crying out for justice. In Colleen, we felt the ripple effects um, early part of July when five Dallas police officers were shot by a deadly attacker who later was killed as well. During that time, I closely, uh, you know, watched the the news conferences and um, some of the clippings on Fox News concerning all that took place there in Dallas that day. And as I was keeping track of it, um, there was a news conference with the uh, chief of police, David Brown, and uh, he was addressing the media, but he was also addressing, uh, you know, the the city of Dallas. um, and also the nation as well. And in one of those um, news conferences, um, he made a quote. And I want to kind of use that quote here this morning, kind of use it as a launching pad for my message, and I would like them to put up the slide if they could. In that quote, he said these words, We're hiring. Get off that protest line application in, and we'll put you in your neighborhood, and we will help you resolve some of the problems you're protesting about. When I read this quote, I thought to myself, there's a sermon, and I like this guy. And this morning, I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, We're Hiring. My aim today, for the record, is not political, but it is spiritual. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. The Word of God says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them 
because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We're hiring. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne. We thank you for all that you've spoken so far this morning. We thank you for all that you've done, God, this week. I pray, help us, Lord, in this final day. God, to bring this all, God, to a proper close, um, that lives would be touched forever um, beyond just the moment. God, let us go back into our cities and be that candle as we heard last night uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, God's people said, um, Amen. Amen. I want to first mention that revival creates need. Where Jesus is preached, lives are changed. This is why we take the Great Commission so seriously, sending out couples to nations and to cities. Why? Because where Jesus is preached, lives are changed. There is no place on planet Earth where the gospel has been preached, where the gospel has left no mark or remnant. We could speak about David Livingston in Africa. We could speak about Hudson Taylor in China. We can speak about John Wesley in England or even Jonathan Edwards here in the U.S. And we can trace back that there is a mark that was left during the time of those men preaching the gospel. Along with our text that we just read. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 concerning Jesus' ministry, verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought, in, uh, brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25 says, Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. The Bible speaks in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Again, just reaffirming my statement that where Jesus is preached, lives are forever changed. The Word of God holds true by saying in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In our text, in our main text, good things are happening. Jesus is going from city to city, village to village, and lives are being touched. The Bible says he's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing every sickness, and he's healing every disease. God is on the move. Sinners are being converted. 
But what happened is, as these people are being saved, this is creating amen, a gap. When the number of converts is increasing, it's now outnumbering the workers that are needed to sustain that growth. Amen, it's outrunning it. There's not enough workers amen, at that present time to try to help support all the fruitfulness and all that God is doing where the gospel's being preached. And is that not the case most of the time? Whether in Scripture, even to this day, the need many times outnumbers those who can help sustain the growth. This is true in Exodus chapter 18, verse 17. The Bible says, So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Moses had a man at the first megachurch. He's dealing with two to three million people, and it's wearing him out. He's day and night counseling, and Jethro's saying, listen, the truth is, is that at that present time, the things that God is doing and how he's multiplying his people is outrunning the people that we have as captains and as leaders within, amen, the Israelis or the Israelites. This also took place in the New Testament, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So what's happening is that there's a tremendous revival taking place in the early church. The Holy Spirit's come down. They've been loosed into the cities. People are being healed. People are being delivered. The Bible says here in this verse that the disciples are multiplying, but now, amen, it's creating, amen, pockets of neglect for others. You've got it even growing so quickly, and God is on the move. There is revival that now some things are being overlooked because there's not enough workers. How many know we're an evangelistic fellowship? We hold many evangelistic uh, venues. Uh, we do concerts, um, amen, out on the streets. Um, we do dramas, uh, amen, on Saturday night. Um, we show movies uh, in apartment complexes, um, amen. We go door to door. How many know we still go door to door, amen, outreaching, hallelujah, on Saturdays, amen. Uh, as we would do that, um, listen, and as we continue to do that, God honors them, God saves them, God delivers them. People get saved left and right. Amen. This has been, you know, what I have observed in 24 years of serving God, starting here, amen, and having the privilege to pastor elsewhere. We pray with people almost every outreach. Men, women, teens, on the streets, at the park. We pray with people at our altars, in our church services, or in our revivals, or our rallies. What a tremendous scene last night. I, I turned over you know, to Pastor Campbell. I said, I think this is the, the most um, uh, uh, um, 
most amount of people that have been saved on a conference night. I mean, from one side of the states to the other, people are being saved last night. And we see that quite often. We hear the reports quite often. Listen, though, my experience is where we are lacking are the workers to help sustain the flood of souls that come through our doors. We get them saved, but amen, the nurturing process, the time that we need to take when we begin to work with them, begin to fellowship with them, begin to train them up in discipleship is where we lack. And so listen, it's one thing to have great numbers of how many people got saved, but why isn't the church growing? We want to talk about people who have all these kids and don't take care of them. Converts not only need to be saved and converted, but they need to be rooted, they need to be grounded, and they need to be built up. We need, amen, to be true ministers in our church if we're going to help sustain the fruitfulness that God gives us. In our text, making reference to verse 36, I mean, here the Bible is referring to this group of people that are being saved from city to city, village to village, as a multitude. In other words, this is not just a handful. It's a large number. It's a melting pot of humanity. It's various backgrounds of people from different walks of life, uh, and they're coming in. It all started with Jesus just simply uh, being about him and his father's business, going city to city. um, But now, amen, God is saving, uh, he's healing, um, he's delivering uh, 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 the souls. um, As a result, uh, now the multitudes are coming to him, um, they're drawing near. The word is spreading. Families, amen, are coming. Uh, Friends uh, are gathering as well uh, because they want to know, amen, why these people are changing. And that's healthy. That's what we want. Jesus even makes reference to them as sheep. You know, I believe that when it, it says they're weary and scattered, they're like sheep having no shepherd. You know, when he mentions them uh, to be sheep, um, he's giving us insight into their character. Perhaps they have a humble disposition. These are wonderful possibilities of people who are potential, amen, converts uh, or those who have been converted. He doesn't call them goats. In other words, these are people that can be led, they can be corralled, they can be brought into the sheepfold, amen, but he makes a statement, he says, but they have no shepherd. In other words, we have tons of people coming in. People are filling our chairs, they're filling our concert venues, they're coming in and they're being powerfully converted, but we have no shepherds, we have no workers, that will help them. It's very mind-boggling to me that somebody would lead somebody to Christ and then not want to work with them. In verse 36, the Bible says, Jesus was moved with compassion for them. This word compassion 
literally means to have your bowels yearn. Or that deep, um, amen, inner sensation within to want to see people, amen, make it for God. Jesus has compassion. You know, Jesus is one thing. But let me ask you, conference body, are you moved with compassion when you see one, five, ten, or even fifty souls converted at a music scene, a play, revival service? See, we're going to see in Matthew chapter 14 where the disciples are not moved with Jesus' compassion. As a matter of fact, in verse 15, um, their solution to people coming in and getting saved is send the multitude away. It was great to draw the crowds. It made a great report. But something shifted when it came time to feeding them. We don't want the workload. We don't want the inconvenience. We don't want to have to, amen, continue to help nurture, amen, and cultivate the seed that we have sown. And this is so sad, beloved, because quite often we find this, amen, in our churches, perhaps in your church, maybe it's even you, when it comes to the fact of working, listen, people don't want to work no more. Had one guy with one ministry one time. Ministry probably required an hour of his time a week. And he said, Pastor, I need to get out. <laughs> Why? Why do you need to get out? Well, you know, I need to spend more time with my family. And, you know, I need uh, more time, you know, um, for my kids. And, you know, you know I'm just overloaded. In our text, we're finding that there's a whole lot of converts, people impacted with the gospel, but very few workers. And Jesus says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I was told of a true story. One of our churches, they had a prison ministry that began seven years ago. And uh, the church uh, is about 400 people or so. And when they began this ministry seven years ago, um, they had 50 to 60 people that showed up on a Saturday morning to go into the prisons to help. You know, one would preach, others would give testimonies, other people would work the crowds, pray with people at the altar. At one time, the ministry was full throttle with many volunteers even one prison chaplain, he bragged about our fellowship church saying, if they say they're going to be there, they will be there. Today, they only have one volunteer who's willing to go to the prison. And they're pleading with the church to find one more brother who can help witness while the other one preaches. People don't like to work. The problem when you have few workers in the church, you run the risk of those workers becoming overwhelmed. And weary and overwhelmed and on the verge of quitting, disgruntled, 
Workers are not good advertisement. One man said this, it is sad but true. The reward for hardworking people is more work. And that's usually the case in our churches. In order to sustain the growth, Jesus, amen, began to look at the disciples. He began to speak these words. And if you go, amen, to the next chapter, the very first verse, the Bible says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. What Jesus did right here was, listen, guys, I cannot do this all on my own. I need your help. I'm going to enlist you to help me to sustain some of the growth. And so what Jesus did is Jesus deputized his disciples. If you've never heard that term deputize, amen, it, it's something that comes when a police officer has the, uh, you know, is in a situation, either he steps into the situation or it's brought about him, and he's, uh, you know, he's overwhelmed by the situation that he's facing. He's outnumbered, amen, bad guys to good guys. The police officer has the right to deputize a citizen, amen, and say, you know what, you are now deputized to be able to help me with this situation. At that particular point, that citizen now receives all of the same privileges that a police officer has to arrest, to deal with the situation. That's what Jesus did here. He's saying, listen, I have to deputize some people um, to help, amen, with the growth, uh, amen, to help sustain the revival, amen, that is, that is happening before us. He begins to give them power, the Bible says, to the un- over the unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal you go to Matthew 10, 7 through 8, he says, As you go preaching, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We know there's strength in numbers. This is why we need you. The revival outnumbers the laborers. And the truth is, is that in most churches... There's always a handful of people doing the majority of the workload. Said all that to say this. Have you filled out your application? If not, why? You've been deputized. In our opening illustration, we find a plea by Chief of Police David Brown. It's a similar plea than just like the one Jesus gave, where the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Uh, David Brown is challenging men and women to rise up and become part of the solution, combating the need. He refers to these individuals as protesters. What are protesters this morning? Protesters are those who exploit the current problems in the world. You know, some have legitimate concern, but most, they, man, like to protest because it's always easier to exploit the problems, to be a fault finder, to be an armchair quarterback, um, 
to know what everyone else is doing wrong while you sit down and do nothing. It's always easier, amen, to protest than to become part of the solution. People say, well, the reason why I don't get involved is because of all the injustices. Right? This is what they're crying out. They're crying out injustice, injustice, injustice. How many know there are certainly injustices in life? Quite honestly, the truth is there's so many of them that you can live all day, every day of your life, if you want to, being a demonstrator and holding a picket sign. Anywhere you find more than two people, you will discover an injustice. Can you say marriage? Even in church. Luke 17, 1. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Listen to me. What I have observed in my 24 years of salvation are church members who refuse to get involved, spending years on the protest line because of the injustices in the church. They would rather hold a picket sign and exploit all the problems in the church rather than, amen, becoming part of the solution and helping change the atmosphere and the spiritual climate of the church. They'd rather spend their time in secret meetings, in secret fellowships, whispering under their breath, elbowing their fellow brother or sister, than to, amen, than to lay down their picket sign and do something about it. You know, what's, you know what's interesting to me? Protesters will hold up a picket sign and vocalize their, 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 their injustices, uh, and many times they'll speak against or curse the very church that they say they're trying to help and protect. You know, I've put out a similar plea, just like many of you here that are pastors, putting out the plea we're hiring. We're hiring. There are church members, I'm sure they're not here this morning, but you can get them the CD, who don't want to get involved because of who is leading the ministry. They don't want to get involved because of those who are involved in the ministry, like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I don't like him. I don't like her. The truth is, they probably don't like you either. (laughs) But there are those who don't want to get involved because of this. You know, can I tell you the problem with that protesting cry? I'm not going to get involved because of brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know, at the end of the day... You leave very little options to who can lead the ministry. 
at the end of the day, because you're holding a picket sign uh, and you're busy protesting, uh, you, amen, uh, limit the amount of individuals that we have uh, so that we can put in certain areas of ministry um, or lead certain groups of individuals. We have to use who is available. And if you would get off the protest line and quit crying out all the injustices in the church and get a job in the church, you might be productive. I was speaking to a good friend of mine. He was pastoring in California. And uh, he had this man who's an older man in the church, and he came up to him, and he barged into his office a few times, and he says, uh, Pastor, you need to deal with this teenage boy. He says, okay, what's going on? You need to deal with him. Uh, you know, he's disrespectful. Uh, you know, uh, he doesn't uh, respect this, doesn't respect that, uh, how he talks to people. Uh, and so, you know, finally, after a the third time of just listening to the guy and, you know, just going off and talking to the boy. And finally, he says, you know what? He gets up out of his chair and he says, today I'm going to handle it. The guy was like, yeah. He says, today I'm going to deal with that teenage boy. He's like, yeah. He says, you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do, pastor? I'm going to put you in charge of him <laughs> to make sure to make sure that he stays saved and makes heaven his home. You're not going to kick him out? No, I'm putting you in charge of him. You know, that day, the light bulb came on, on that man. And he took this boy under his wing. And the boy started to change. And the boy today is in ministry, serving in the church. See, since the days of Occupy Wall Street in 2011 and the whole Occupy movement, since the days, amen, of the incident when Mark Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin protests have gotten out of hand, this, it has also loosed a spirit into the society that we live in and has also infiltrated our churches. Usurp authority and do as thou wilt has been, amen, the common cry. As I said, today we find those who want to exploit the problems they see around them. But you know, I've learned a few things about protesters as well. You know what's amazing about some of these protesters? The only time that they put down their picket sign is many times to go and commit arson, to go and to loot, vandalize, go and kill an innocent person. Again, you know, just I'm not saying every single one of them, but you get what I'm saying. What they do is they, they take that opportunity to go and to commit another violation. Something that they really wanted to commit anyways. But they're going to use that injustice as their banner to, you know, to be their flag. So now they can go and commit other acts of violence. You know, there's some people that they like to point their finger at their headship just so that they have a reason to be carnal, be bitter, all shriveled up in their seat. 
Not just one leg shorter, they're both shorter, so they lost about six <laughs> inches. There are protesters who, they want to exploit the problems of the pastor and the leaders and other church members. Not to help the cause, but to excuse their own carnality, disobedience, rebellious tendencies, even if it's contrary to Scripture. How does an injustice give you the right to violate the Holy Word of God? And just because you're a protester and you have an injustice, I want to say, it doesn't give you the right to always vocalize it with people that can do nothing about it except be seated and their hearts become tainted. People say, nobody knows my injustice. I'm not getting involved because of what's happened to me. You don't know. What my pastor said. You don't know what that person in the ministry said. You don't know what brother or sister so-and-so did to me. And they sit there on the protest line. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you're not the only person that has been violated. You're not the only person that has been offended. We can go through the whole word of God, numbers of people that did. But did you know that chief of police, David Brown, who I opened up with, who said that quote, did you know that in 1988, Brown's former partner, Walter Williams, was shot to death? Did you know that in 1991, his brother Kelvin was killed by drug dealers here in Phoenix? And in 2010, his son, David Brown, who had killed an officer, Amen. Was shot and killed himself by his own men, by the Dallas PD. Just seven weeks after Chief Brown became the Dallas Chief of Police. You know, he could have went on the protest line with the rest of them. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the heartaches. He could have begun to sympathize with people who want to protest and say, you know what, well, my son, the reason why he did it was because uh, you know, he's really a good boy. But the reason why he killed a police officer is because, well, you know, the environment that we grew up in, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, the peer pressure that he had around him. Uh, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know, he's really a good boy. No, you know what he said? He says, one thing I know I can do is I can fill out an application. I could process the injustice, and I can become part of the solution. An article quoted his life saying, rather than burn down the block, he has risen to one of the largest, to run one of the largest police departments in the nation in his efforts to stop police brutality. Gandhi said, you must be the change you want to see in the world. James Rosario says, you must be the change you want to see in the church. Yeah. You didn't know I had quotes, huh? <laughs> One of the sad truths we find in our churches are those who have the greatest talent, 
greatest giftings, greatest abilities, holding a picket sign. The ones who can help you the greatest, the ones that can help change the whole atmosphere of the church and take the church to new heights and new levels are the ones sitting there protesting, exploiting all the problems. Sometimes redirected pastors who have the ability to go out again won't go out because they'd rather hold a picket sign. Former leaders in the church have the ability to be your greatest blessing, have the most experience, have worked with people. They've worked out a lot of the wrinkles are the ones sitting there, and they're using their influence for all the wrong things rather than getting people on board to become part of the solution. See, now is the time, church, where we need to get off the protest line and become part of the solution. Can you say amen? amen. We look at all the world's problems, and we think, how can I do anything to help change the world? We see ourselves as a small little guppy fish in the middle of the ocean. And the truth is, we really individually can't touch the world, realistically. We hear things in France, this madman driving a truck, running dozens of people over. We hear about the Zika virus running rampant in Brazil. We hear all of these things that are happening around the world, and we think to ourselves, I, I can't do nothing about it. Sometimes, even when we look at it in a national level, uh, and we see, man, you know, the, the shootings, um, you know, at a gay club there in Orlando, or we hear about the shootings there in Dallas, um, and, you know, we think to ourselves, well, you know, I'm too far from there. Uh, amen. I can't do anything about it. I'd love to preach to them. Uh, I'd love to witness to some of those people. I'd like to see some of those people converted. Um, and, uh, you know, realistically, probably can't touch every single person, even in our own nation. But Chief David Brown, he makes a very good point. He says, why don't you get off the protest line, fill out an application, and I'll send you back to your community. I'll send you back to the place where you do have influence, the place that is within your sphere of life, uh, the place where you can make a difference. Uh, he says, go back to your community um, and we will help you. Listen, we're here to help you um, to go amen, and to fix some of the problems you are protesting about. You may not be able to single-handedly change the world or change even the nation, but you can change your community this morning. What is your community? It's your local church. You can do something about that. The gathering demoniac was only saved just minutes. And Jesus says, you go back to your family and your friends and you tell them what I've done for you. He goes back, amen, and history tells us that this man was even the trigger. He was a catalyst for revival in Decapolis, the place of ten cities. Jesus told the woman of Samaria, 
all about herself and she goes back and the Bible says they all begin to come out to see who this Jesus is and they say now we believe not because of what she told us but because what we have seen now because what we have heard and now here amen is a, a great outpouring of God and souls are coming out not because she won the whole nation but because she won her community the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 58 Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I want to ask you in closing, where is the need in your church right now? Where is the need? Do you need ushers? Do you need bands? Do you need song service people? Why don't you quit talking about how bad the song service is and learn an instrument? Quit talking about how they can't sing. If you can sing, get up there. If I was pastoring, this is what I would do. Go and pastor. Show us. You need drama team members? Nursery workers? You know, I think our nursery workers would be a lot less disgruntled <laughs> if, if they didn't have to take nursery every week. You talk about, they let my kid bite another kid, or another kid bite my kid, and, you know, they... They didn't change my baby's diaper. Um, you know, they didn't feed him the snack that I gave them. Hey, listen, why don't you volunteer? Show us. Will you pick up and fill out an application already? You know, you coming in conference this week and being challenged this week means very little if you don't go back home and fill out an application. Yeah. Pastor Pocky said it last night. Doesn't mean nothing if all you did was come and get moved emotionally and nothing changes when you get home. Powerful message last night. Means nothing. Means nothing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put a challenge. This donut break. You need to go to your pastor and ask for an application. Tell him, pastor, be a pastor when I get back, I'm joining ministry. I'm turning in my picket sign for an application. Can you say amen? We're hiring. We're hiring. Help wanted. If by now, being Friday, we have yet to make up our minds on whether or not we're going to get into ministry or answer the call, we just wasted some hotel expense, food expense, and we burned our time off at work. Thank God that after... Chief David Brown 
made this public news conference. A couple of articles came out. Dallas Police Department sees spike in potential recruits after deadly ambush. Another article, Dallas Police sees surge in applications. The sergeant overseeing the hiring says, we've been receiving emails, phone calls, Twitter, Facebook. Hey, I heard your chief's speech pretty strong. I want to join the police department. Where can I apply? Another officer quoted, it's great being able to look at the devil and say, I'm coming. You can keep shooting, but I'm coming. That's what he said. Chief Brown, he says, I love serving. It's part of my character. It's part of who I am. Out of all the, he says, crap, we have to take as police officers, the satisfaction you get with serving is much more gratifying. Listen, today, face your fears. Today, face your weaknesses. Today, face your TV. Because we're hiring. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.